And what did you, how did you, what's the, say, say a little about that. Meditation, I suppose. Here we are, another episode of the Front Porch Podcast. I am your host, Paul, and I work at Front Porch. And today, as part of our little series here in the fall of 2020, we're just bringing on uh, our local people, or not so local anymore, who've been around the Front Porch. And I just ask them, what are you, uh, what are you an expert on? And they just go. We just have them. We just have them be set free on their expertise. So this week, Tabitha, tell us who you are. Um. Yeah, Tabitha, as you've said. But uh, I guess I'm a front porch alum. I had been in and around front porch during college and lived in the house my senior year, and I graduated in. 2019 and now i float around the world (laughs) where uh where you been well upon graduation i moved to um portland oregon to take up an americorps position just outside the city and i lived there for about eight months seven months i lasted that long and (laughs) i then began the process of looking for somewhere new to live that was less cold and dark and lonely. And I found a job in Oakland, California, and I began the process of moving in March of 2020. Um, And as I'm sure all of you know, that's kind of when the shit hit the fan. And so I had my job get put on hold, and I decided to move in with some friends in Truckee, California for a few months while I waited for my life to pick back up again. And I ended up moving to Berkeley around the same time that my job fell through. So I got onto that little job hunt there and it hasn't been going so well. So I'm still (laughs) on the job hunt. Um, But I ran out of money back in September or so. So I decided to sublease my room and go away for a while. So In the last month or so, I've been in uh, Wyoming, Minnesota, Chicago, Illinois, and right now I'm talking from Denver, Colorado. Dang. What a a journey. What a lovely tale. (laughs) I think so much of what Cal Poly produces is just this sort of like you finish your four years and then you move to the Bay, you move to Orange County and you start some fat job. And that's just uh, how everybody's life goes after going to Cal Poly. It's the learn by doing guarantee. But I think that is just not real, especially in 2020 when I just have this overwhelming feeling that the, like, do these days even count? Like, is the time that we're in, like, is this included when I am going to think about, like, my life mm. in 15 years? Like, oh, yeah, all those days where we just sort of, like, waited around for things to <laughs> sort themselves out in some uh, in some capacity or another. It's like 
this uh, this doesn't count. We can just sort of do whatever right now, and nobody will be too mad about it. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too, um, like maybe allowing ourselves to treat it like it doesn't count is a bit of like anonymity that comes with this phase of settling in to the fact that nobody really feels that excited about what's going on with themselves right now and you don't have to share (laughs) about it and you can kind of just settle in and not confront those feelings yeah yeah so when I asked you what you want to talk about what do you think you're an expert on what did you what did you tell me Well, I had a very hard time answering that question because I don't feel like an expert in anything. I also, as a personality trait, don't feel like many things I have to say are worth, um, like, prescribing to others. Um, However, I can talk about my own experience and that in the last year and a half or so upon leaving that little Cal Poly bubble has looked like experiencing depression and learning to manage that as a little independent adult yeah yeah and what did how did you what's the say say a little about that yeah so I think it's it's hard enough being um in a new setting and experiencing change and I think that brings up feelings of depression not necessarily being clinically depressed but just experiencing those depressive episodes um because you're kind of mourning the loss of an old routine or experience or support system that you've had. And so I think I expected that to happen upon leaving San Luis Obispo, leaving Front Porch and a lot of uh, people that I felt secure around. And so I I believe I mentally prepared for that <laughs> best I could, but it it's impossible to know um, what is going to happen to you when you are so removed and the further you fall into that dark place of feeling alone, the more alone you're going to feel. Um, and I think a big learning curve for me in that time of being physically away from friends and maintaining those friendships was kind of a, a shame and pride thing of not fully sharing what was going on in attempts to kind of get people to care more and show me I care more by really prying and getting to the bottom of whatever it was kind of just being self-sabotaging I suppose to putting the expectation of my own emotional outcome onto my friends and relationships of people that were far from me yeah I think of course then that made me feel even more alone as I pushed people away in my own mind without they them having that understanding of what was going on Um, and that's a really hard conversation to have with people, but I think it's important. Um, and I've been learning to kind of bring those things up because when you are experiencing those deep caverns of (laughs) sadness and despair, um, it's really difficult to allow anyone else into that because you've already decided that they don't know how you're feeling and that they can't comprehend Mm -hmm. how you're feeling there's a sort of like reproductive nature of depressive feelings where you enter into a part part in part it's a physical space of Mm -hmm. being isolated and alone and then also a, a cultural moment where it's like 
you are sort of forced to be away from away from people for for everyone's health and then those feelings create this terrain upon which you continue to isolate yourself we continue to isolate ourselves because nobody can understand the feelings i'm feeling being alone in that sort of reproduces that feeling in oneself and that is just a really really troublesome cycle to to get out of to escape to sort of do something that disrupts that reproduction right and i think that that also like compounds with the whole feeling of like nothing really counts right now nothing really matters and so once you really settle into that it's kind of an all or nothing mentality of like I'm already at a low and everything else is at a low and let me just lean into this further because it's going to be so much harder to climb out than it is to just keep burrowing um, and letting the weight of that basically prevent you from making any sort of change for yourself I think is really common and I experience. So how does one how does one disrupt those cycles Great question. <laughs> um, I can't think of anything except uh, willpower and time, life happening around you, like things forcing you into a change, like perhaps moving in with two of your friends in a small mountain house in the <laughs> peak of a pandemic, maybe that kind of gives you a little reset having new experiences to face but yeah i yeah i will i'll I'll recommend that to people next time <laughs> yeah just just find move. a mountain home <laughs> find a mountain home it's easy enough um but i think also what has been really wonderful it's not great but it's nice that being stuck at home has put a lot of people who maybe normally are not sharing their emotions as openly into a place where they are talking about them and you realize that although no one can truly understand how you're feeling and all of your um, traumas that have built up into this position that you're in they have their own and we all can be unhappy together (laughs) and share in that and have some Uh, humor in our maybe self-deprecating spurts Uh, I think calling up a friend who I mean I know I have no shortage of friends that are also in maybe some dark places right now because of the way of the world Um, calling them up and just being open and sharing about that is the best option you have I think unless you have the pleasure of having a therapist I for one have no health insurance at the moment which is a a little bit of a hurdle (laughs) but otherwise I have had therapists in the past and I think that is very helpful but it just reminds you that other human beings are around you existing dealing with things and it forces that little bit of empathy to suck you out of your own void maybe yeah having some other just another person articulating the same feeling that you're feeling I think just does a lot even if it's like this person is in the same place as you but they're just putting it in a little bit of a different way it's like oh wow like I am not in this hole by myself 
I think that does a lot. Yeah, and I think it also um, maybe squashes lies that maybe you tell yourself about being unfit to participate with those not in the state that you're in. Um, Hmm. I feel often like you see other people somewhat functioning on the outside and you think I can't do that so I need to sit back until I'm ready to do that and Mm. then I can re-engage with them Um, Mm. but when you have the chance to talk to other people and hear that experience you can kind of remember that you're still yourself in that state and that this maybe does count like this does count in your recollection of your life over however long the span of this is and it's I'm not gonna say character building because I think it's feels horrible (laughs) um but it is you know a a part of your being still yeah I think that's that was something I wanted to return to is like the this feeling that this doesn't count it's like it definitely this number of days what is it so eight months of like ambiguity and people losing jobs and changed social routines and all those things it's like all those things happened those happened and they count because they had all sorts of impacts on our physical and social and mental well-beings and we're having to crawl out of those experiences in different ways and emerge from them in different ways whether you know you are learning something about yourself or you're you know experiencing some immeasurable suffering because of all of this ambiguous loss and just totally nonsensical upside down time and yeah I think we can write it off and be like ah like we'll wait till things, you know, get back to normal and we can get past all this, but it's like all this happened and it is having definitely an impact on the way that we see ourselves and others. And so, yeah, how is it that we can like include it in a way that honors all the, the shittiness of it, all the, how much it didn't make sense and how much it sucked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how. And I don't, I'm not asking you to give me an answer to this question (laughs) either. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how. I have a, I, I feel like it's been really easy during the last however long to pick up on those individual instances that feel particularly horrible and really dwell on them because that's what we have time and capacity to do is to sit and continue to be upset by the same things repeatedly um and that's a pattern I recognize in myself and I think others can relate it doesn't feel like there's space to move on from those things right now because there's just more piling on and then you can be sad about that too (laughs) (laughs) yes an unstoppable tide yeah yeah truly have you found any practices for yourself because you mentioned willpower and you mentioned I don't know sort of accepting those moments that your that your community might provide for you to be honest about how you're feeling do you have any practices for yourself that's like allow you to 
get to to find that willpower or to um, allow yourself to be honest or those sorts of things. Sure. Yeah, I think something that's meditative for me is like spending time outdoors. Um, and that's kind of how I take my meditation, I suppose, is is being outside and moving it just reminding myself that I exist in the world and, you know, seeing strangers out and about kind of brings <laughs> you back to a level of acknowledging humanity outside of your own self and feelings. Um, but yeah, I try to talk about it. Otherwise I do, um, do that thing where you convince yourself that no one understands and then you get farther and farther away from having any sort of human connection that can kind of pull you out and also learning that not all of the people you've surrounded yourself with have the same experience and emotional I guess tendencies Um, it's been a really big learning experience for me to kind of almost teach uh, roommates or friends my own processing and that that kind of helps me to have to explain my thought process because as we all know we're all very different in how we emote and react to things happening in the world it kind of creates a, a an emotional literacy for myself to be able to share my experience with those around me yeah I once there was a therapist I knew once who would always talk about um, if you were to go to a drive through somewhere where you acquire food um, and you go up to the window and you don't say anything and they're like, oh, you know, this is Taco Bell. Like, what can he get you? And you just say nothing. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then you drive through up to the next window where they give you your food and they just give you like something. They just give you anything. Like, oh, well, you didn't say anything. So we just like, made you six chicken tacos (laughs) like why would you ever do that i did not want six chicken tacos i wanted this other thing like well you didn't you didn't say you didn't say what you wanted and so i think that's sort of like that was an illustration of this sort of emotional emotional literacy that you're talking about it's like a lot of times people want to give people what they want Mm. people are looking to sort of like meet other people's needs around them but when they don't know what those things are, it's like going through a drive through and expecting uh, your chalupa without saying, this is the chalupa that I want. That was just a illustration that has stuck with me mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And acknowledging, too, that it's... It's not the drive-thru worker's fault that they didn't give you what they wanted. (laughs) It's your fault for not addressing it or being clear and communicating. I guess just putting that element of responsibility on yourself, not in a, like, you're in charge of making yourself better, but just, like, you really have to figure this out yeah you're allowed to say what you want and you have to figure this out with yourself because that's who's living with this yeah yeah all true things how have you found your journeys over the past how long have you been on the road like a month 
Yeah, a month and a week or so. Yeah. How has this been? This is a very interesting time to travel the country. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have uh, many COVID tests later. Um, <laughs> I am doing well. I think I went away in hopes to just change some scenery and maybe shock my system back into a place where I could, you know, determine next steps and gain some mobility um, because I was falling into a place where I felt like I really had zero power in changing my situation, which I was very unhappy in. I think immediately I felt a lot of freedom and independence in making a change. It felt really good to just follow through on something um, because (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of things I just were out of my control and following through or making a change for. So I think that immediate um, independence in the world and driving around your own little car wherever you so please is really yeah. helpful. <laughs> but as far as the the trip itself, I've been lucky enough to have friends, you know, across the country. So I've been staying with people at each step of the way. And um, I've been this unemployed floating being for eight months now. And so it's pretty <laughs> easy for me to um, just hop into the position of whoever I'm staying with and so that's been kind of funny to arrive at a new place um and make very few choices about what's happening and just go on with it and then assess how I feel about being a inactive part of my own life and acknowledging that maybe it is nice to make choices for yourself even if they're not going super well. Or maybe it is nice to have some sort of consistency, even if it's feeling really debilitating at home, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been very interesting how I am almost missing the old life I had that I was so unhappy in. <laughs> but I think we kind of relate any uncomfortable experience back to something that we can't now achieve just because it's unreachable this is true this is the the existential dilemma there's yeah. always a life that we're living and the life we wish we were living and right. those necessarily must be separate when were you in minnesota minnesota has been very important this last week minnesota has been important um i was there the second week of October through like mid-October. I was there for about two weeks. Um, that was interesting. I definitely had some heavy feelings. I drove into Minneapolis and was staying with my friend at her family's house near St. Paul for the weekend to begin. Yeah. Um, and so went around Minneapolis and St. Paul, as everyone knows, has been a huge moment in the news and the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and it felt really weird there. <laughs> like, I almost had the feeling of, like, no wonder things are bubbling up. Like, it's it's contentious, like, class breakup. You know, I took a bike ride around town into, got pointed out, you know, the mansions here. This is where our local elected officials live, and this is, you know old money this is the other part of town that's less nice there's it's just any city is going to be 
very divided racially and economically, but to be following everything in the news and then be physically standing there, it, yeah. it's, it makes you feel weird and a little bit sick. <laughs> it's just, I don't we tried, we tried peaceful protesting, we tried in every different direction, and this is our, this was our last resort. It's just the classic thing of the, the moderate position that, sure, there's a problem, but we don't want our lives to be disrupted in order to fix it or do anything about it. And I felt yeah. that kind of moderate energy there, I suppose. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's that's something within everyone that we can acknowledge, though, at the same time, I think it's easy to point out whiteness affects your perception of the world and your perception of present danger. Um, and so that being said, I think, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. What's been the most, um, anything you've seen in your last month around the country that you've been most like surprised by or stuck with? Like, what's the story that you keep finding yourself telling? What I keep dwelling on is the significance of like place for someone and just thinking about um people's households and lifestyles as of late and that I just you know was stepping into somebody else's at a time with you know roommates and their routines and things yeah everyone's just in their own little bubble and it's weird to be contrasting that with big picture things going on like the election that everyone's talking about it but yet we're not really engaging with anyone outside our, our little home bubble, our roommates. Hmm. It's all the same thing over and over again. We're all just working with each other in our little networks and it doesn't feel very connected. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really disjointed and separate. And I think that's of course fair because you really shouldn't be stepping so far outside that bubble. I mean, I have been a little bit, which I have some, hesitations about but um it's it feels wrong (laughs) to to be so inside your own biases with the same people that you've been discussing these things with repeatedly yeah this is I'm just thinking about this right now but Joe Biden seemed like the sort of perfect coronavirus candidate where he's the person that like everything is about a return to quote unquote normalcy. Mm -hmm. Like nothing structural will change. Everything will return to the sort of like gentle, whether good, it's good or bad. This is not really what he's talking about. Maybe we can talk about this, but just this sort of gentle neutral peace, whatever that meant Mm. um, that we had, you know, before whatever before was. And everybody can sort of talk about and sort of articulate the same ideas over and over and over and over again to the people that we see every day that we live with and say, you know, oh, we're upset about, you know, Joe Biden's not this or, oh, we're happy about, you know, Joe Biden's just going to be this sort of like return to the things that we had in the past. And there's just so much desire for that return over the last, basically over the entire length of the campaign of this year and it just doesn't seem like there was any 
any person that could have sort of fit this like odd sort of weird desire that we have right now to just like return to this sort of mythical point in the past where things felt better for Mm. whatever reason uh things felt normal whether it's normal at the intersection of being exposed to racial injustice and oppression or normal in the sense of you know not thinking about everything you're touching and everything you're seeing and or every person you're seeing or normal i mean just in the terms of like the political climate that's feels like we just didn't have to be thinking about it all the time. And I think I just, I think it could have been a very, and I think it still can be a very important time to sort of question all those things that we saw as like normalcy. We can sort of ask like, what was so great about that? Like, is there a a new horizon that we can sort of imagine that's past and beyond and better than this normal that we're trying to return to because it's like I don't think we're going to be able to do that and I hope that this election year doesn't make that um, that interest of moving past something that just feels like the neutral normal is this like most desirable state of being Mm. state of complacency perhaps Yeah. yeah Yeah, there was something else you said that I thought was really, really interesting, that everyone's in their own bubble. And oftentimes we think that certain communities are like, oh, you know, there's the bubble of slow, like we're kind of isolated from, you know, big global happenings or like a liberal bubble or a conservative bubble. But what you're finding is that every place is a bubble of some sort. Mm, Absolutely. There is no sort of like universal perspective where you live in a place and you actually get you know like every color of the rainbow and Mm. you are experiencing every current affair in the most like real sense like that place just doesn't exist every place is just sort of encountering the world as the bubble that it reproduces allows allows it to when we leave a place hoping hoping to leave a bubble I think it always is with the should be with the awareness that's like yeah and uh I will be entering a new bubble yeah (laughs) of some sort yeah have you uh you did something interesting before you left on your your journey you asked people to mail you books Mm. have you read anything good that people have mailed you on uh over the last month yeah I think that the funniest one that I've been talking about the most is a book that my old roommate, Emily Beaker, mailed me um, called How to Weep in Public. And oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a satire, but it's on brand with my experience with depression, um, talking about, you know, the, the cyclical journey of being a depressed person and dealing with that from, you know, your very sensitive childhood into your adolescence and ultimately adulthood living with it um and I feel like that has stuck with me the most being that it's a not serious but also (laughs) deeply serious at the same time um kind of my favorite thing but I kind of started off the trip reading that book and each place I've been I have other people ask me about the books that I have been reading and it's easy Mm -hmm. to bring that up first 
to also just address my own <laughs> emotional state with the people that I'm spending time with um, and kind totally. of what's, what's brought me there. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Is there anything from the book that you would like every person to be able to carry with them? Hmm. I just liked, it kind of followed a timeline of her own life in dealing with depression. Um, and I really enjoyed just her, her openness and frankness about kind of just giving up (laughs) in a sense of like (laughs) giving up the, the bit of any bit of shame or, um, like feeling like you failed in some sense. I feel like she got that out of the way very quickly in order to keep talking about taking care of her mental state in however, whatever capacity that is, you know, eating junk food, sleeping on the couch in your parents' home for mm-hmm. years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just to immediately strip away any shame or taboo aspect of being a depressed person it was very impactful because I think I have been afraid or have used comedy jokes, memes in to address certain things having to do with mental health that can just be very candid. So I think maybe the takeaway is don't be afraid to tell people that you're depressed, that you experience anxiety, that you you know, whatever, fill in the blank, odds are they might also. But even if they don't, who cares? It's about you and <laughs> owning whatever it is you're going through and your experience. Um, and then I guess another thing was that, you know, in the end, she said, I've in no way defeated my depression, but I am living with it in a different way. And I have get to do all these other things in my life that maybe in the darker pits I was unable to bring myself to do or even imagine doing. And now I'm living my life having been depressed, maybe feeling depressed intermittently, but it's not the only thing about me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. By Jacqueline Novak, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of uh, endorsement here, this is how I like to this is how I've sort of decided I've liked to end our episodes now. Um, do you have any endorsements or uh, recommendations for the people? Um, Ryan Jocelyn last week, he endorsed his own university. Interesting. Um, yes. And what else did we have? I think we endorsed Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler when I talked to Jenna about dystopia okay um so it could be anything it could be a food it could be a activity it could be a book it could be a instagram account yeah i have a thought and i think it's gonna blow you away i would like to endorse the chicago bean oh wow (laughs) (laughs) all right i i saw it for the first time recently it was a life-changing experience, um, kind really? of a dream come true, really, to see it in person, to watch my reflection through the eyes of the bean. It was really the highlight of my trip thus far, I think. Um, so if you ever have the opportunity to go see it. I have seen it. Well, what do you think? <laughs> I wish I had the same 
um, spiritual experience that you had. I just think it's awesome. And I think everyone knows what it is. You see it. Yeah. You know, it has an identity with it? the place. I know nothing about it, but I do know that you can buy a uh, kind of, I guess, softball sized replica in uh-huh. the Chicago Art Institute for $78. So I would like Dang. to start a GoFundMe um, as a part of this endorsement. Yeah. Do you have a Venmo you'd like to plug so <laughs> yeah. people can send you money for yeah. the... For the, the bean replica. Um, yeah, what's yeah, your The what's Venmo your is at Tabitha-Tolzma. That's my Venmo. So you can find it. Or you can just link it in the description also. I will, yeah. Yeah. Send some bucks her way for her to get a, a bean replica. Yeah. It is kind of cool. You can like see everything behind you in it. Yeah. It's like a very interesting reflective experience. Agreed. Like there's not many surfaces. There's not many surfaces like that. It's a little bit like in the minivans, those little mirrors that pop down where you can see the whole minivan from the driver's seat. Right. It's a little like that, but obviously <laughs> far more majestic. Yeah, very different because it is its own thing that is unlike none other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think that does it. Do you have anything else you want to tell the people? Yeah, talk to your friends and share your feelings. That's all. Wicked. Love it. We're coming to the end of the quarter here. Uh, We've got a couple more Wednesday nights. You can pick up food any Wednesday, four to five, uh, and take it home and prepare it with your family, your house family, whoever you're living with. We often do events on Wednesday evenings. These days we're doing them in front of Front Porch at six. Come through. Check out what's going on. Sometimes we do trivia. Sometimes we do pumpkin carving. It's always great. We got a couple more worship gatherings for the rest of the quarter. One's this Saturday at 5 in front of Front Porch. And if you want to hear more about what's going on, Front Porch, follow our Instagram, frontporchslow.org. No, at Front Porch Slow. Our website is frontporchslow.org. Uh, music by LifeGrid and by quicksand quicksand you can find on spotify qk snd life grid on bandcamp lifegrid.bandcamp.com thanks for joining us in the end times tabitha keep it real baby (laughs) thanks you too